Welcome to Nicosia Uncut, produced and presented by Andromahi Sophocleus and Kemal Baikallı. We couldn't believe our ears hearing Mr. Anastasiades inviting the Turkish Cypriots back to the 1960s constitutional order. But hey, in Cyprus, nothing should come as a surprise, especially before the upcoming elections on both parts of the divide. In this context, we discuss the rumors about the 2023 presidential candidacies. Welcome to the 29th episode of Nicosia Uncut, the end of August, beginning of September. And our listeners are now coming back, returning from their holidays. And some of them are probably taking their holidays now. And uh, for those who are not very familiar with Cyprus, which I doubt, um, August is generally the time when people take their holidays. But um, politics never stop. Recent statement by the Greek Cypriot leader Anastasiadis asking the Turkish Cypriots to return back to 1960 Republic. <laughs> and <laughs> People were really surprised. Um, we all know that this was like a you know tit for tat game. For you know there was this Varosha opening, and then there was this uh, repercussions of the of, of on passports, and then there is this discussion like come back to Republic of Cyprus, and then everybody was shocked. Nobody was expecting it. <laughs> so what's really going on, Andromahi? I think that we are beginning to see how the Anastasiadis government is purposefully leading us towards a two-state solution, to be honest. And uh, I myself, in my analysis... Isn't it a bit cynical, I mean, you seeing this? You know, for a very long time, we political analysts, including myself, we were castigating the government about the lack of a strategy and the lack of a vision uh, regarding the Cyprus problem and the solution. But I believe that it is high time we acknowledge that there is a strategy and there is a clear vision in the way uh, the Republic of Cyprus government is acting. And that is to drive us towards a two-state solution, or at least to make the possibility of a federation absolutely non-feasible. And I honestly believe that it is high time we acknowledge this because in this way we will be more able to understand what President Anastasiadis is doing. Uh, so President Anastasiadis came out and, and indeed said and invited the Turkish Cypriots to return back to the constitutional order of the 1960s. And he also said, uh, he also spoke of a simultaneous commencement of negotiations for the territorial issue. So for the area under which each community will have its own administration. And then you had the government spokesperson, Mr. Marios Pelecanos, the next day, who reiterated the suggestion. He officially said that this is a proposal that is on the table and that the Republic of Cyprus will put it on the table in the, in what was expected to be uh, the arrival of the UN uh, Secretary General temporary envoy Jane Hollywood uh, to the island. And when asked uh, on CYBC radio, Well, what about the issue of guarantees? The 1960s constitution included the, the Treaty of Guarantee. He said, no, no, this is the proposal. So he, the government stood by its um, 
its proposal and then you had uh, only on Monday the Minister of Foreign Affairs, Mr. Christodoulidis, trying to kind of pick up the pieces <laughs> uh, that uh, the Anastasiadis proposal left behind. And he came out and he said that, no, there is no such proposal. We do not intend to put the issue on the table, but this was just a matter of speech that was used by President Anastasiadis. According to my sources, Mr. Christodoulidis was in fact furious when this proposal came about. But uh, I honestly think that it is high time we acknowledge that these things do not happen by chance. Uh, you also had uh, the CMPs coming out and saying that they are supporting the offer made by Anastasiadis. You had a number of media and journalists trying to support Anastasiadis in his opinion and in his proposal. So we saw emerging whole articles uh, claiming that this is a good idea, etc. And you know, it was a very good tactic to basically further create even more confusion uh, as to where we are heading to. And at the same time, it was the perfect tactic to make sure that Mrs. Lut will not arrive to the island. And this is, in fact, the, the case. She will no longer visit Cyprus as it was uh, planned. Uh, the official Republic of Cyprus uh, government's uh, position is that she's not coming because of the developments in Afghanistan. I think that one must only be naive to believe this, this the issues are not related. Uh, it is clear that uh, there is no reason for Miss Lut to come to the island because there is absolutely no way to reach a common ground. Uh, you have on the one hand the one side uh, supporting a two-state solution, and then on the other hand you had the Republic of Cyprus speaking of a unitary state and the return to the 1960s constitution out of the blue. Uh, so th there is absolutely no ground to cover. I'm um, one of those people who believe that we messed it up back in 1960s. And, um, you know, it was the perfect chance for the Cypriots to really sustain an independent country. You know, whether it was a really good arrangement or not back in 1960s. Um, that's another discussion, but uh, I'm, I'm saying this because there are many um, Turkish and Greek Cypriots, I'm saying Turkish Cypriots as well, who say that, you know, forget about everything, let's go back to 1960 and let's um, embrace our rights in the 1960 Republic because the 60 uh, constitutional arrangement says that the Turkish Cypriots are also having um, rights and then they have the veto powers as the vice president, so on and so forth. But having said that, as if nothing has nothing has happened in the last uh, 50 years, and as if we never had any military issues or many interventions or, you know, call it invasion or occupation, whatever you want to call it, as if we never had any um, intercommunal fighting, as if we don't have property problem, as if we don't have the, the, the power sharing issue, as if we don't have so many other things, suddenly out of blue, we now are going back to discuss the 1960 Republic. And 1960 Republic was not founded on a, on a bizonal um, um, uh, foundation. It 
there was no um, bisonality, but after 1974, it's it's a necessity that now we are um, talking about bisonality. And then there, um, there have been so many um, United Nations resolutions and meetings, and you know, for 40 years, so many high-level agreements, and now we are, you know, discussing 1960 Republic, and you know, it doesn't even address the concerns. It means that basically the sides are not really committing themselves to a solution it means that they're actually again back to you know playing games and tactics and then this is this this is stupid you know kemal this is exactly the the problem with the proposal in itself first of all going back to the 1960s uh, constitution it, it it means like that we have not learned anything from our past and we're not discussing whether the constitution in itself was good or bad, but the Bisonal Communal Federation is seen as a continuation of that constitution and of that understanding of a state um, run by two politically equal communities, with the difference that, as you said, because of what happened, you also have the territorial, the separate zones for each community. But the problem with this discussion is not the, the, what the constitution was, but is the fact that it, it, it shows how irresponsible the Anastasiadis government is in raising this issue, in allowing this whole discussion to commence on in the 1960s uh, constitution. And it goes to show how there is absolutely no profound and genuine willingness to engage with the Cyprus problem. We also need to acknowledge that the majority of Greek Cypriots do not even know what the 1960s constitution stood for. So it is very easy to play uh, with the sentiments of uh, wanting a unitary state and the sound of a unitary state that for good or bad sounds very good to the ears of most Greek Cypriots, but we are not uh, delving into what the 1960s constitution uh, stood for. And let's remember that what was discussed in 2017 in Cramontana was a much better version of the 1960s constitution with much better provisions and uh, for the viability of the federal state. And it is kind of alarming to see all these people that rushed to the aid of President Anastasiadis to support him in his proposal for a unitary state. And we are talking of people who uh, undermined and demonized the agreements that had been reached up until Cramontana. And we also need to remember that Elam itself came out and said that it supports the return to a unitary state without the special rights given to the Turkish Cypriots, though. So it is like you are opening yet another vicious circle of a whole new discussion about, you know, the 13 points, etc., and everything that led us to where we are. So it is so dangerous, but it goes to show how irresponsible the government, the Republic of Cyprus government is in the way it deals with the Cyprus problem. I think the idea that there is this island called Cyprus and there are two main communities and um, at the moment there are two zones which are governed by the respective communities 
And we, if we are going to share this island together, there will be certain powers that will be governed together and there will be certain powers that will be governed separately. This is the essence of it. Whatever you call it, whether you call it like a, a Republic of Cyprus with some changes or whether you want to call it federal uh, arrangement, whether you want to call it decentralized federation and whether it, like Mrs. Ludwig, she's trying to come up with, with an agreement that would satisfy both sides, which I don't know how it's going to be happening. So these are the options that we have. But at the end of the day, the basic pillars, the needs, the basic foundations are there. Are we going to share power together under the same sky or are we not going to do this? We don't need to find names. We don't need to go back to history. We don't need to try to invent the wheel again. It's as simple as that. And of course, 1960 Republic was a product of the uh, post-colonial uh, era. Yes, we know this. This was the product of the Cold War era. Yes, we know this. And then there, um, we, we, we had wars and, and, and military interventions. And at the end of the day, we came back to the point where we need to decide, are we going to share power together on this island or not? And if we want to do this, there are not so many options. I mean, you can play with the words, you can play with how you can share power, but the foundations are there. Having said that, I am really curious what's in the bag of Mrs. Lute. Well, I mean, what is she planning to do? Now that one side says that they want um, a two-state solution, which is against the United Nations resolutions and all the um, agreements in the last 50 years, and the other side says that they want a federal arrangement, but they don't really mean it, if you ask me. And now Miss Lut decided that she's not coming uh, using this uh, verbal fight uh, as an excuse. But even if there was no such fight, I mean, what does the international community want to do? Well, first of all, I think it is important for us to stress that the concept of an international community is a bit vague. You know, there are agents that have their own interests and uh, each agent is trying to push for their own sort of uh, understanding. So there is no such thing as a concrete and concise international community view on the situation. Having said that, though, it is clear that there was an effort at, to kind of not square the circle as such, but there was this attempt to basically satisfy both communities into a broader understanding so that they could uh, reach some common ground between the leaders at the, at least ahead of New York, uh, where, um, both leaders will, will attend the United Nations, uh, General Assembly. Of course, the Turkish Cypriot leader is doing it informally and not in the plenary session. But I believe that there was this attempt to basically use the, what, what was termed as the British suggestions, uh, which were a bit more, broad and they incorporated more elements of a broader and looser federation than the one agreed up until uh, Grand Montana. Uh, uh, trying to bridge the two sides. I never had any hopes in that process and it's 
it becomes evident that this attempt has failed, but I believe that the Anastasiadis government is itself trying to buy itself some time as well. I mean, they did not want Lut to come to the island. They knew that uh, their, uh, them revoking the passports and then bringing up this 1960s constitution thing would uh, further make the situation even more blurry. And I believe that it is clear that they do not want any developments in the Cyprus problem, regardless of what consequences this lack of, uh, of, of political developments brings. Because as we said many times, there is no such thing as the status quo. Things are changing. Already we are seeing how the Cyprus problem is absolutely not a priority for any of the international agents. Uh, we saw this after we saw what happened in Afghanistan. We saw how vulnerable, how fragile everything is. Um, the United States are now clearly uh, much more interested in what happens in that region of the world. They have their own domestic issues because the Biden administration is now faced with unprecedented criticism about the way they handled their exodus from Afghanistan. At the same time, Ankara's leverage over the European Union is clearly increased because uh, the European Union is now uh, afraid, so to speak, of a new influx of refugees from Afghanistan. So they are kind of counting on Turkey to receive um, the great mass of, uh, of refugees rather than allowing them to come to Europe. So it is evident that this delay that the Anastasiadis government clearly seeks when it comes to the negotiations of the Cyprus problem is at the harm of the people on the island because nobody cares about the issue anymore. Talking about Anastasiadis government trying to use time, for what? What's the expectation? We know that there will be elections in um, in the Republic of Cyprus in, in 2023. And uh, we've already heard some gossips about who will be the candidates and what the parties will be. So what's the plan? Well, it's a good question. In fact, and it is, it is a timely question as well. You see, the former head of AKEL, uh, Andros Kiprianou, was on Politis Radio this morning. And he said that according to some credible sources, Anastasiadis is going around saying that he will enforce a two-state solution even if everyone is against it. <laughs> so on the one hand, we have these sort of testimonies. On the other hand, we have their own actions that are pushing towards uh, a stalemate um, on the Cyprus problem. But in all honesty, I believe that the plan is not to have any developments. They are not interested in in proceeding with uh, with anything when it comes to the Cyprus problem. And I believe that Anastasiadis is solely interested in finishing his term in 2023 w without him thinking of what the situation on the ground will, will be. And when I refer to Anastasiadis, I need to stress that I am referring to the DC government as well uh, because... In all honesty, I am in dismay as to how 
the DC governing parties acting. Uh, we saw it when it comes to the issue of passports, how half of their MPs were coming out and, uh, and raising concerns about the cho uh, choice of the Republic of Cyprus government to revoke the passports from 14 Turkish Cypriots. And then the official line coming out from DC was to support Anastasiadis' uh, decision. They also supported him in his decision to put down the proposal for the 1960s constitution return. And it is like they are uh, clearly going along with the president's whims. So we cannot disassociate them because I understand that there is an attempt, especially by the DC head Avero of Neofidu, to disassociate himself at times from what the Anastasiadis government is doing. I honestly believe we should not be doing it. This is something that both uh, parties, let's say, in this equation uh, do. But because we refer to this issue of passports, how do you think the issue of passports was uh, sort of received in the Turkish Cypriot community? Give us a bit of well, the of the feeling. On one hand, there are those people who have always advocated um, a solution of the Cyprus problem, saying that the two-state solution is not a solution. TRNC is not a definite solution to the problem. We cannot continue like this. Those have been going out and saying you see you know that this is uh, th th there's no way out from this this way this is just another example that um, we cannot sustain the, this current status quo with the existing system and there is no way you know we can we can win this tit for for that because you know definitely the Turkish Cypriots do not want to lose their um their passports um it's 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 an important commodity um especially when um republic of cyprus is, is a member of the eu and um and of course there are those uh, nationalists who actually um use this as an excuse to to say that look you see the greek cypriots do not even want to share power with us they're using it against us they will use every opportunity to hit us and this shows that they don't actually mean well, so we actually need to have our own proper state with proper um, passports, and we should even maybe try to even have a closer links with Turkey in order to overcome this problem, and so on and so forth. So, you know, this is not taking us to a healthy discussion. That's the problem. I mean, regardless of your position in the Cyprus problem, this is taking us to a, to a point of, of unproductive unproductive jib jab discussion and you know nothing nothing comes out of this even the ones who've been advocating um to go back to republic of cyprus now they're saying that it's you know our fault that we left it to the mercy of the greek cypriots we shouldn't have been you know we should have been more um willing to for, for a solution but but again uh, you know in return there are Others who've been saying, you know, we did everything. We've elected Akinju. We, we we said yes in the Annan plan. You know, we 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 even Turkey did a lot in in Kramotana. So this is not a productive discussion, and that's the problem. This is of course uh, affecting Turkish Cypriot politics now that we have a very unstable, unproductive, unsuccessful so-called coalition government, and then. Um, Tatar is not necessarily doing well, if you ask me. Um, so uh, many people are asking, what now? Yes, we know that there are 
there there will be parliamentary elections in the north um in 2022 uh some people say that it will take place in april the leading ubp right wing ubp party has a leadership problems um last time they were trying to elect a leader they couldn't do it properly because apparently akp government of turkey wanted someone else so they just interfered and now the current uh, uh ubp leader uh, saner is hardly managing anything in in the local politics um they are not good with the covid fight economy is really you know is very bad and um we, we it cannot offer solutions to the problems of the people so there is this sense of especially in in the era of covid it's like you know things are not really doing well, well. on top of this we have this oil spill um by coming from syria and then of course this is just yet another example how vulnerable we are to the regional uh, problems uh, it doesn't have to be political but environmental problems are, are are being part of it and we always need to act together in order to fight those problems yet again cypriots are very good at uh, finding excuses and blaming each other and not trying to to find solutions well yes and we saw the turkish cypriot uh, community sort of appealing to turkey for help in this situation uh, i i think we both know that we would have wanted the european union to uh, be the one to assist we we know that the European Union has the infrastructure and the means uh, to tackle um, pollution at sea and sadly the well you know on this on this particular issue i think it's still a bit early i mean yes we are always critical about how sides have been um finding excuses not to cooperate or not choosing the best options but this this spill um is 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 relatively new and then you know um suddenly people started shouting out you know get help from the south get help from turkey get help from eu from wherever you can and then you know it, it just we there was no spill un- until recently so yes but you still have like i think it was either the 24th or the 26th of august when it was it became clear what is happening with the oil spill you know one would expect that that when it comes to issues like uh, marine pollution and pollution at sea uh, things will have been moving fast we have no time to lose things are critical the spill was coming towards uh, the Carpaz area you know I, I cannot give excuses on this I ideally one would have expected that The, the the means of communication would have been there and it would have been understood by both sides that for instance the European Union would be the the one to sort of assist in this since we know that uh, the European Union has the infrastructure and the vessels that are needed in this instead we did not see this attempt uh, but uh, the fact remains that up until now the 31st of august we have seen no attempt of collaboration uh, in fact oh we have many examples of sites not co- uh, co- collaborating or cooperating uh, you know uh, another example was what we discussed in the last episode i constantly hear complaints about the recognition of the 
um, vaccine certifications of the Turkish Cypriots. They, they, they cannot um, enter it properly to the system. System creates problems or system sometimes sends a confirmation SMS to uh, a telephone number, but the Turkish Cypriot GSM numbers cannot receive it and all these kind of problems. So um, this is just another problem. Like I'll give you one other example. There was this Turkish Cypriot girl who actually had COVID, right? And, um, you know, so if you had COVID, then you are able to get your, um, you, you can access it into Republic of Cyprus uh, forms. But then, uh, then what, what about how, how can you prove that you had COVID? Like the, if you cannot recognize the documentation of the health authorities, it's just, it's just another example. And um, this is, the problem is that Instead of solving the problems, the authorities are designed, the systems are designed to make our lives even more difficult. And that's the problem. And I think that one of the issues is that those who are taking the decisions are not people that are directly influenced by this situation. They don't have their own experience of the situation. They don't know what happens. They don't understand uh, the limitations. And this is why it becomes particularly exasperating for people like us who are, you know, sort of involved in both communities. And we hear the complaints by people on both sides who, who have to go through uh, the everyday obstacles that are set by the authorities of both sides either uh, intentionally or simply because people do not pause to think before they they implement decisions. Just a while ago, we were reading a testimony by MEP Niazeki Zilgurek, who was saying how there were people at the Larnaca airport uh, officials there that were bragging that uh, they did not accept the Turkish Cypriot uh, PCR tests and that they sent away so many Turkish Cypriots from the airport. And on the one hand, we're talking about people whose lives are being sort of sabotaged because of this. I mean, they they book their tickets from uh, <laughs> from an airport that is controlled by the Republic of Cyprus, and then you have the officials there bragging that uh, they did not assist them. And secondly, the PCR tests from the north are accepted by the Republic of Cyprus authorities because they are the tests that are shown at the crossing points. So you, you have apparently ignorant officials at the airport bragging that, uh, you know, they, they refuse to accept those documents as though the Republic of Cyprus does not accept them at the time when they, they accept them for entry in the areas that are under the effective control of the Republic. As if it was some sort of a nationalistic duty. Exactly, for... <laughs> as, as, as if, I don't know, the collapse of the occupation depended on them not accepting the, <laughs> the certificates of these people. You know, sometimes it becomes astonishing. And I, 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 we saw this in the case of that Dutch parliamentarian who came to Cyprus and she took a picture with the so-called, I think it was the Minister of Tourism, of, the, of yes. the north and and you saw all those people going on social media and blasting out against her and they were shouting and people were posting and tweeting and opposing her and how she's recognizing the uh, unofficial entity and you're like 
if you were fighting this fiercely in favor of reunification and the Cyprus problem solution, you would not have <laughs> had to, you know, waste your time mumbling you on know, social, social media. media. Is a tool for us to prove ourselves that we are actually it's doing our duty for our. <laughs> it's the, the amount of energy people spend uh, on. On, on, on fighting the consequences of the lack of a solution rather than working for a solution is in, in, incredible. Tell us a bit about, uh, more about the latest gossip about the candidates for the, for the presidency in you know, 2000, uh, 2023. Well, I think, so there is gossip and then there are the official things. So you have two um, people that have Uh, openly declared their uh, intent to run in 2023. One is, they are both lawyers, in fact. One is Mr. Mario Siliadis. He's a former minister of the Republic. He's, he's, he was a politician. I mean, he was a minister in two times, I think. And uh, he has declared that he made the decision to run and that his decision is final. He's a very strong and ardent proponent of a bisonal bicommunal federation. And you have another ardent proponent of a bisonal bicommunal federation, Mr. Achilles Dimitriadis, um, a, a lawyer who, who is very well known because he was the lawyer behind the Titina Loizidu case in the ECHR against Turkey. And he's also, and he has also openly stated that he's, he intends to run in 2023. So these are the two clear uh, candidacies. None of the is supported by any party at the moment. I expect that the Dimitriadis candidacy is being uh, discussed uh, in the circles of uh, Akel. But as far as I understand, uh, Achilles Dimitriadis will not want to be running as a candidate of any party, but he will want to run as an independent who will seek for the support of parties, of course, but not to run as their candidate. So when it comes to political parties, so you've got, so in DC you have this, sort of battle between Gos Christodoulidis, the Minister of Foreign Affairs, and the DC leader Averov Neofitu. It's kind of an either-or situation in which we are waiting to see who will prevail. <laughs> uh, tradition has it that it is the head of, of, of DC that runs. I believe that the two are now sort of trying to establish themselves as the candidates. Uh, we don't know who will surface in the end. I will put my bet on Averov Neofidu, even though Averov Neofidu is the kind of politician who would want to be sure of being elected before running, to be honest. But um, I believe he will be the one to run in the end. Uh, when it comes to Digo, we don't know yet if the Digo head will want to, to run. I must say that Digo has been very supportive of the, of some of the choices by the Anastasiadis government lately. For instance, the revoking of passports was a Digo suggestion in the parliament. So this satisfied them. So I don't know if we see some channels being opened there for unofficial collaborations, but it would be interesting to see if Nicolas will want to run or if he want to choose another candidate. It could be 
Andreas Mavroyannis, the current Greek Cypriot negotiator, who also left the possibility open of him running. But I suppose that he's also sort of looking for a party to back him up. What about Akel? <laughs> Poor Akel, Kemal. I don't know. Akel is, is, is in that difficult position in which it is the only party that kind of utters a rhetoric different from the mainstream. So it was against the uh, issue of uh, revoking the passports. It was against the proposal um, for the 1960s constitution. So it is kind of going against the trend. And I think that they're having a big difficulty in, in they're going to have a difficulty in choosing a candidate. I believe that the wiser option, the, the most wise option for them would be to back Achilles Dimitriadis, to be honest. Because I do not think that an Akel, that that a candidate coming from the Akel ranks will have any chance of, of winning. Um, the most successful president backed by Akel was the presidency of Mr. Vasiliu, George Vasiliu. And I think that Akel will want to find such a candidate. If this candidate is going to be Mr. Achilles Dimitriadis, we are yet to see, but I believe that that would be the the most wise option if the Achilles Dimitriadis candidacy, of course, manages to build that momentum and that support around uh, around it. So we have elections in uh, the Turkey Cypriot community in the north in 2022. And we have elections in Turkey in 2023 and Republic of Cyprus in the Greek Cypriot community in 2023. So uh, again, we are marked um, paralyzed with the uh, elections and nobody's talking about the real problem, the Cyprus problem, which is, you know, we are now familiar with it. And talking about Turkey, Turkey is trying to fix its relations with the neighboring yes, countries now, back that. to talks with Egypt, as far as I follow. And... Um, now, as you as you rightly pointed out, the developments in Afghanistan also put Turkey into a, an important position again. But I think Turkey's um, focus at the moment is in, rather internal. They are more focused on on the upcoming elections. There are lots of discussions who's going to be the candidates. Um, I have been I have constantly been hearing rumors about the, the deteriorate deteriorating health of uh, Mr. Erdogan. Yeah, from uh, various sources. So I don't know whether he will be able to run for another ter- uh, term or whether he will just be there to support another candidate. I don't know how this will be possible. But at the end of the day, I think things look, you know, it is not possible to expect something very drastic when it comes to Cyprus problem, at least until 2023. And by the time, hopefully, the influence of virus globally will start to, to at least um, become um, a, a, a smaller uh, factor than uh, the, the number one factor. So um, we'll see. We'll see how things are, are shaping up. Now that uh, in Cyprus also people are coming back from their holidays, I think they will look for things to discuss and, and uh, fight <laughs> and argue. I about. think we had enough <laughs> and, uh, yeah. to fight about uh, in August. Kimbal, <laughs> it was plenty. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for... You want to say no, but else? in your description of what we are to expect until 2023, all this, as long as the the northern part of Cyprus is not sort of annexed to Turkey, or that there is, you know, or that there is no de facto hard border uh, with Turkey on Lydra Street. So 
it goes to show how f- I mean I, I don't I don't of course I mean I don't see this happening in, you know in a single mm-hmm. day because this has been this has always been the gradual process since 1974 and every lost opportunity and every time we uh, miss a chance the, the the chances of of separation of the communities are are, are, are you know are becoming becoming uh, much more than they used to be but at the end of the day I think it's important for the Cypriots and the international community to see that they cannot sustain this situation, whatever you call it. And it needs to be, it needs to park somewhere eventually. I mean, park in the sense that it needs to arrive, reach somewhere. I don't know where the final destination (laughs) will be, but it cannot stay. Indeed, but we need to be sort of realists in that the long-awaited U.S. sort of interference in the region and involvement in the region is is becoming increasingly delayed because of the domestic problems to which we referred before and also because I believe that um, uh, the U.S. administration at the moment is more keen on engaging with the Iran uh, sort of deal and treaties uh, rather than um, clarifying a policy for the region. So we are still waiting for that uh, sort of clarification and then enlightenment as to what the approach of the new uh, Biden administration in the regarding the Eastern Mediterranean will be. And as long as the U.S. is not making its intentions clear, I think this also allows uh, for the various other agents in the region to sort of position themselves, let's say, for what is coming. So we are uh, we are yet to see, uh, and we still have a lot to see until 2023, as you said. That's all for today. Thank you very much.